If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Hey, everybody. It's Mind Pump time. Look, in this episode of Mind Pump, we have... A special, Ooh, it's special a surprise. announcement. I'm not going to tell you guys An early surprise. So. What we talk about, but let's just say it's fucking awesome. We're all excited, and everybody got super emotional. Uh, so we talk about this special surprise for the most part in the intro of this episode. But we did also mention the use of hemp oil uh, during the uh, let's say birthing process. Kind of gave away a little bit of what the surprise oh, is. Oh, no more surprise. Yes, yeah. I want to give a little disclaimer. If you're going to use hemp oil for anything uh, that is related to pregnancy, please check with your doctor. We're not advocating for its use. Thank but you. But it was used full disclaimer for something like that. Now, Ned is one of our sponsors. They do make full spectrum hemp oil extract that contains not only CBD but all of the other beneficial cannabinoids, including. One of my other favorites, CBG. Look it up. It's pretty Ooh, awesome. That's a new one. Anyway, if you go to helloned.com forward slash mind pump, you will get 15% off your first purchase. I also talked about the uh, beneficial fatty acid profile of grass-fed meat versus grain-fed meat. Grass-fed meat actually has a better fatty acid profile, so it's healthier for you. Uh, also, uh, we are sponsored by ButcherBox, which delivers grass-fed meat to your door. And get this. They have a promotion going on right now. You can get burgers for summer. So new members receive six burger patties mm. in every single box. That's free uh, until op- October 15th, plus $20 off your first order from July 10th to August That's 4th. That's good because I double up, Sal. That's it. So here's what you do for that discount. Go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump and get hooked up. Then we get to the fitness portion of this episode. Here are the fitness questions. The first question was talking about metabolic adaptations. Um, are there ways to prevent that from happening while maintaining endurance? In other words, if you're training for endurance, sometimes it could slow down your metabolism. You might lose some muscle. We give some tips on how you can prevent some of that from happening. The next question, this person wants some alternative exercises for the barbell movements like squats, deadlifts, bench press. So what are some good alternatives that will also give great results? The next question What's it like training a teenager? What are some of the things you need to focus on when training a teenager? Or if you're a teenager listening, what should you uh, pay attention to to train your body? And the final question, uh, what are our best tips for merging fitness with wellness? Sometimes it seems like they contradict each other. Uh, Now, we've talked about in many episodes in the past that they actually benefit each other. So we talk all about health, wellness, and performance and fitness, like muscle building and fat loss, and how to combine those uh, methods for best results. Also, this month, Maps Anywhere, that's the program without any equipment. You can do it anywhere. You can do it at home, uh, at work. You could do it on the road. It utilizes your body weight and bands, suitable for beginners, intermediate, and advanced. It's actually a, a very difficult workout. That program is 50% off. Here's what you do to get the discount. Go to mapswhite.com. That's M-A-P-S-W-H-I-T-E.com. And use the code ANYWHERE50, A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E-5-0, no space, for the discount. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, you know it's my favorite time we go. Just, I like Adam's version better. Uh, I was just trying to, you know, be in place of Adam. Yeah. All right. We have five winners this week. We have three for iTunes and two for Facebook. For iTunes, Stephanie Callahan, Kelsey Gia W, 
JPE4221, and for Facebook, Daniel Carter, Ollie Fowler. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, include your Instagram handle, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Oh, yeah. Bro, I'm so, like, psyched and excited for you. Yeah, so we got to yeah. tell the whole story now. This is the official announcement of Yeah, well, baby boy coming into the well, world. Well, fuck, he's, uh, he's four weeks early. And how crazy is this? I don't you know don't want to wait anymore. He's uh, for sure a lucky baby. Kind of like his dad, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's go now. Yeah. Hurry up. <laughs> no, fuck, right, wait. Right. We're four weeks late. Well, what happened on, so we were out at the beach, all of us, for the 4th of July thing, right? Yeah, it was, it was the, what was it, the 5th? Or the six, is it the day after or the, the day six. after? The, the six. six. Yeah. So yeah, we the, had the whole staff up there. Right. So we went up to the beach and uh at this time we had already we had just seen our doula and had her last appointment and they were telling her like, you know, you're you're pretty far along, baby's already over five pounds, you know, you pretty much even though the due date's not for four weeks, you could come anytime. So let's pull back on the exercising, let's kinda stay laid up. Uh, not do anything and she was like, Well, we we're supposed to go to the beach on Friday or what Friday, right? Is Saturday. Saturday. And uh, they're like, okay, well, that's fine. Just, you know, take it easy. Don't do anything too active. And so we're like, all right. So we're all at the beach, hanging out, having a good time. And I'm over there with uh, Eli and Taylor and Dev playing uh, hearts. And, and she's, you're whooping on them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, right? You got to put that in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard so, you whooping on yeah, them. So, <laughs> give it, Eli's good, though. He's got game, for sure. Yeah. So we're playing, and uh, we're about halfway through, and they get up to go to the restroom. And so I go over to go check on Katrina, walk over, kiss her on the face and say, hey, how you doing, hon? She's like, um, I, I, um, I peed myself. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, what do you mean you think so? I'm like, you, you peed yourself like a lot? She's like, yeah, like my panties are soaked. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, you sure your water didn't break? And she's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, call the doula right now. I was like, call the doula. I said, we got to go. We should go if you if you think you think you or your water might have broke. She's like, well, I don't know. I think I just peed, but that's so weird. I've never peed my pants before, right? And now you got it. Meanwhile, she's been having kind of mild. Not yet. Not yet. No, this is no no real contractions yet. She's had a little bit of like that the day before. You know, a couple times she thinks Braxton Hicks okay. is happening okay. to her. So this is all the first time, right? So and the, Braxton Hicks are like practice contractions right, that the like body cramps. has before. Yeah. Right. So like people compare it to like menstrual cramps, right? So she's kind of having experiencing that a little bit. And we had just on, they checked her on the Wednesday, right? So here we are Saturday and Wednesday. They're like, oh yeah, you're right on pace. We're looking good. looks like this, you know, August 6th or 7th, whatever. And then these, the, the kind of cramps were happening a little bit, but nothing bad. She was like fine. And I know she has a high pain tolerance. So I'm like, we won't know until she gets probably really close. Then that happens. So I freak out. I tell her to call the doula. She calls the doula and the doula's like, yes, go to the hospital just to make sure. Right. So this is when you came up to me right. all, and you guys kind of disappeared for yeah, a second. You guys like magician your way out. I didn't well, know you were gone. I well, felt he, so bad for her because she did. She said her panties were soaked. Yeah. yeah. And she didn't and we didn't want to make a big deal about right. it. Right. Yeah, no. Especially yeah, so she, of course. Especially if she just pissed herself, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, hey, your water break. Nope, she just pissed herself. That's yeah. all. No big deal. Uh, yeah. So it happens. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to keep it discreet. I walked over to Sal and just said, Hey, I'm not sure, but her water might have broke. I'm gonna get her to the hospital right now. And Sal's like, What? Getting all excited. Side, I'll giddy, you know, say how he gets because he knows a baby's coming right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell I, me to like, you know, wait till I leave to tell everybody. I'm like, fuck, I gotta wait five minutes. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, right. You told the wrong guy. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, it's funny I, when you left because you guys disappeared. I waited till you guys could, you know, took off, and then I told everybody. Nobody believed me. 
Because I no. always fuck with everyone, you know, yes. I make up shit. Yeah. Well, so we're I cried wolf, dude. Yeah. Well, we're four weeks Unreliable. out, right? So we get to we get to the hospital and they hook her up right away, check her, and he's heartbeats great. He's kicking and moving around and stuff. And, you know, they're like, they go in, they check her cervix, they're like, Oh, it's way back there. It's thick. You're not even it's not even open. So they're like, You're you're weeks out still, you know. And this you're probably just experiencing Braxton Hicks. It's very normal to wet yourself. You know, water hasn't broken, no mucus plug, everything's like no signs of labor. Yeah, and walking in the sand with, you know, as pregnant as she was, I mean, that pushes on your bladder. Your, yeah. And so. he's and he's right. he's slowly coming down, right? That's the process in the last four weeks. So he's making his way down. And so he's putting probably pressure on her bladder. Mm -hmm. She probably was walking the sand, pissed herself, and that's what happened, right? <laughs> so so that's kind of like, I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so the nurse is, I love you, honey. You know, she yeah. listens to this. So uh, no, I'm so unfiltered. Yeah, you know, once it comes full circle, she'll appreciate the 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 authenticity of the story here, right? Because I don't I don't want to lead out any details because it was so amazing, right? So we go there, and uh, they basically tell us, you know, go home, you're fine. And that was the day of, that we went, which was Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. So that as the night went on, she started having again the, what we or now we think are Braxton Hicks. They're not like real contractions because they pretty much told her she's not in labor right now. And they're starting to pick up pace, and they're starting to intensify a little bit, and it's it's getting to the point where we're getting close to like that. We're getting like five the five one one right where you're hitting the, the every five minutes you're hitting the one minute long contractions, and you know that's where they tell you like once it hits around that time you should probably head to the hospital, and so here we are the next or that night we're starting to pick up that pace like that, and you know I, I'm like exhausted and I'm trying to time for her. So I'm like all night long through the night, you know, I, I just, it's in my hand and I'm like dozing off for the four to five minutes in between. And then I hear her, oh, and I'm okay, stop, hit it again, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so I'm timing them and I'm like, okay, we're like at five, six minutes. And I keep asking her, are, are they getting painful though? You sure that Braxton Hicks? And she's like, hon, they're, they're pretty uncomfortable. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see if it, if it speeds up a little bit. And then the pain started to pick up in the morning and we're like, she's like, I want to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, let's go. So we go to the hospital, second time, and now we're there. Same thing again. Hook us all up. Check his heartbeat. Everything's great. Check the cervix. Nothing. She's still same place. It's far up there. It's thick. Uh, and so again, and they leave her there for this time for about two hours just to monitor her a little bit longer. This is where you guys are texting me. What's going on? Or mm -hmm. she? I'm like, no, no signs of labor. Water hasn't broken. Cervix is all the way up. She not everything is normal. This we're still on pace for the four week mark, right? And so at this point, like now I'm getting a little worried because here we are four weeks out and she's already dealing with this much discomfort. Right. And so they discharge us again. We go home. And this time that we're home, now I'm like turning into coach like, okay, if we got four weeks of this shit, like, yeah. come on, babe, you got to put your game face on. Batting down the hatches now. Huh? Yeah. And so I'm kind of telling her like, you know, breathe through it. Like, you know, this, if these are just these you know, mild fake contractions that this isn't labor yet. Like we, we got a lot ahead of us and the nurses are telling that before they discharge us, they're like, Oh, don't worry, honey. You'll know when you're in labor. They call it labor for a reason. And so, she's already uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So she's already like, and, and mind you, those that have heard us talk about this, uh, you know, from day one with we, our, our birth plan with the doula was nothing, no IV, no drugs, no anything, no Pitocin, no epidural. We don't want anything. We're going to go hundred percent natural through this whole thing. And here we are fucking four weeks out with these, what we think are fake contractions. And she's already in this kind of pain. I'm going, fuck, this is going to be tough. 
And, you know, so she calls the doula and, and is telling the doula, like, how much pain she's in. And she's trying to give her all, like, get in the bath and all these different remedies. And she's like, is there anything I can take? And she's like, do you have CBD? No she, way. Yeah. So she, the she, doula told her to take CBD. Yeah, yeah. She asked her if we get had. The fuck out of yeah, here. she asked yeah. her if we had anything. She goes, "No, my husband does." She looks at me. She goes, "Do you have any of the Ned?" And I'm like, "Of course, I'd like just ran out." Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> "You used it all, right?" I did, <laughs> you know. And it was on a night where I just wanted to relax, right? I'm like, "Of course, I just fucking used like the last drops of it." So then I call Rachel up, and I was like, "Rachel, please tell me you have a, a bottle of Ned or whatever." And she goes, "I do. I'll, I'll drive it over." So she drove it over dropped it off. Uh, she took the Ned, uh, but nothing was helping. I mean, these things are now starting to hit hard. And now I'm, wa- and I'm watching her grimace, but we're still at about the five, five minute mark. And I'm like, we just went to the hospital early in the morning, nowhere near it. So now I'm thinking like, you know, hon, we got to just, we got to hang tight. And I know, I know that I can keep her home. Even if these are really contractions, even though I don't think they are right now, I know I can keep her home close to the two and a half, three minute mark before like, it's like real scary time. Right. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm timing and I'm watching everything really closely. And I tell her, I'm like, listen, I was like, if it, if they really start to intensify, tell me, then we'll, we'll go. Otherwise if they just stay this intense. I'm going to watch the time. And until it gets below three minutes for an hour consistently, I think we should try and stay here. And so we, we did that. We're doing the bathtub thing and standing up and I'm watching her in a lot of fucking pain. And then it gets to a point where these things are dropping in the three minute below three minutes of about two and a half minutes, three minutes in contractions. They're definitely intensifying. She's starting to win. She's even starting to cry a little bit. And I'm like, Oh fuck, she's in a lot. And she looks at me and she goes, hun, I got to go back for the pain. Because water hasn't broken yet. Cause we were trying to wait to see when the water would break. We're like, we're, I don't want to go back a third time and be discharged mm-hmm. until the water, if water isn't broke, you know, I don't think they're going to, they're going to let us stay. So what they probably would have done is if they probably would have broke the water for her and then tried to put her on Pitocin well, or something. Right. Well, they didn't, they wouldn't have done anything until because uh, he's so early. If she was on time, oh, right, right, they would right. have done that. They right. would have actually tried to send her into labor, but they're like, no, we want him to stay in there and cook yeah. and you're having no signs of labor. Right, right, so right. they were all like, you know, hang in there, you know, tough it out type of deal. So she looks at me and she's like, I got to go to the hospital and at least figure out some of the pain. Cause the Ned at that point didn't help. She was in so much pain. So she's like, I gotta, I gotta figure something out, and I'm like, all right, hon, we'll go. And now we're down to like two and a half minute contractions, fucking painful as shit. She is, and she's already between all these times. She's already like, every time she goes to the bathroom, it's like every maybe, I don't know, minute to two minutes she's going. So between contractions, she's peeing, and it's like leaking out on herself. So she's super uncomfortable and frustrated with everything. And she's got like, a, she's not even wearing panties. She's got a towel underneath her that's kind of like, so she, in case she wets herself again. So she's walking, she's wanting to walk home, walk out. Like, and I live in a house that has three flights of stairs plus the garage, which is four flights, right? So, and to walk down them takes longer than two minutes. So she can't even make it down the stairs without breaking up the, the stairs in two, two contractions. Like break. walk down, oh, stop. Yeah, grab the thing, screaming like, oh, and I'm like, and I'm walking down with her. That's intense. And she gets to the last flight. And I'm walking behind her and I'm just kind of grabbing. And I'm moving pretty like casual and slow because, again, water hasn't broken. We've already been in the hospital twice and discharged. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to just kind of talk her through the pain. And I'm, wa- and I'm behind her and she's hunched over and she's got a towel. And all of a sudden I see the towel just go. Just water. Just soak up. And I went, oh, shit, your water just broke. And she goes, I think so. I'm like, no, it did. I could see like how much it soaked. Uh, you couldn't pee that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so now, now I'm like, okay, we need to get to the hospital. I'm going to be delivered because we're already at two and a half minute contractions. 
just water's broken now. It's like game time. So fly her to the hospital. Luckily, our hospital's really close. Get her in there. I like how you said you left the car on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's a panicking dad right uh, there. Yeah, so I, I roll up. Yeah. Well, she can't walk, so I got to get a wheelchair. So, I mean, we knew right where we had to walk to, and sure. we had walked in the last two times. So, again, I'm thinking we're going to walk in, but now she can't get fucking 10 yards without a contraction hitting mm-hmm. and her hunched over crying. So I go sprinting in the hospital doors looking for a, you know a, a, a wheelchair. You just tell, hey, I need a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. I come <laughs> running in. I said, God, my wife's in. My wife's fucking having a baby right now. I need a wheelchair. And so one of the ambulance guys, and I parked right in front of the ambulance in the red. Left the car running. Get the wheelchair. She's barefoot. No, she's holding on to a dry pair of underwear. No underwear on in one of her dresses. Throw her on the. Uh, we got nothing. No bags packed. Bassinet's not fucking done. Nothing's like. Yeah. Roll up like that, and I I push her up there. They get her up into the room. Get her on the chair right away. And this is now the third time they've seen us. So they're like, oh, great. The couple that, you know, thinks they're having <laughs> yeah, a baby. The all natural couple. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you can see the nurses like that. You know, yeah. they're like, yeah, everybody thinks they're going to go all natural, especially on the first one. I, in fact, I didn't know this till afterwards that 10% uh, actually even attempt a natural birth on uh, their first baby. Only 5% even succeed. So, uh, yeah, I totally get this sensation that everyone's just like rolling their eyes like, oh, it's a first time. First time baby couple. Yeah, it's the first time natural couple. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Right, right. So they're, I kind of feel like that's the attitude. Nurses are walking. Same thing again, slowly putting her all up. And the nurse checks her and she's like, oh, you're five centimeters. You're moving along. And I'm like, okay, everyone's still calm. No big deal. Nurse is coming. No doctor's there. Her doctor's on vacation right now for two weeks. And they haven't called the doctor in. So nurse gets on. And she's now like in, I mean, the pain that she's in is like crazy. And I feel... For, that was, for me, out of everything that we went through, the hardest process for me was watching watching the pain that she went through. Like, everybody talked about, um, you know, wait till that moment happens, Adam, and he comes out. Like, you're probably going to get emotional and everything like that. And I did get emotional probably like two or three times during the whole process, but it, it, it wasn't because of the first. Don't get me wrong. Most exciting moment was holding my son for the first time, and that, that experience was amazing. But... The emotional part for me where I actually cried was watching her sure. and being there with her. She actually, she stood up through the whole labor. So she, I actually sat like this at the edge of the bed. She put her hands on my thighs, put her face into my chest. And then I was just, had my, had my head on in her, in her ear so she could hear me talking to her. And then we were just breathing through the contractions and she was just kind of like shaking her hips in between. And so she's squatting. She, yeah, well, there's a soft bend in her knees. Sure, she's sure. bent over. Got you know it. What I'm got saying, it, got and, it. and the doula was behind her, kind of working her hips, and she's and she's like screaming in pain. I mean, just screaming in pain. And we're we're so this is after being told we're five centimeters dilated, <clears throat> screaming in pain, and the the pain you could tell is getting worse. The contractions now are about every minute and a half or so. So they're like. Uh, let's check her again. And she's only six centimeters dilated. So she's only gone up like one more. And I can see that the pain is looks like it's gone up like 10 levels. And there's a point where she looks at me and, you know, and mind you too, I'm skipping over a lot of like doctors interrupting, which the, the doula was probably the best investment I've done so far in this whole process. Like having someone as an advocate there for your birth plan uh, especially being a first-time father. Well, you're, you're so vulnerable because you're in excruciating pain. Yeah. You as a husband, 
You're just like, I want to help you. I don't right. want you to hurt anymore. And there's so, lots of unknowns floating around. Yeah, and, and doctors are, and nurses are like, do you want pain med? Do you want this? And it's like it's like offering drugs to somebody that's that's fiending for them. It's, you're, you're very vulnerable. Very, so very, having yeah. a doula there is very, very much a great so. investment. Right. So and, and we probably wouldn't have made it all the way through natural if it wasn't her there to help me through that because it became there came a point, and I was worried about this, this is why I invested in one, that she would get in a lot of pain and she would feel like I can't do this anymore. And they're so quick to be like, we can have the epidural oh, yeah. on you right away. It'll feel- we got you. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we'll do it. And they must have offered it to her fucking six times. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly like, turn it down. And they're ignore- they ignore you. So mm-hmm. I, I'm like, she's good. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. They, don't, they ignore her. They're like, they want her to say no. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And you know, the first two times she was like, no, I'm, no, I'm okay. I can do this. And then after that, she was no longer responding to them. And then she's crying and she's looking into my eyes and she, you could tell she doesn't want anyone else to know. And she's like, I can't do this anymore, hon. I can't do it anymore. And then at that point, that's where I get emotional because I can't tell her no. Yeah. Like I can't say no, you can't do it, and I, so I just get silent and I just look back in her. Now eyes. this is when your fifteen, twenty years of, of personal training experience yeah. kicks in. So yeah. All the coaching, I can't do another Came rep. To this pinnacle, yes, you can't. Well, so every uh, <laughs> you can do it. So all the all the doctors, nurses, everyone's but everyone was tripping out on her and I together. They're like, you guys did not look like a couple that had done this for the first time. And you know, at that moment, we were really connected. Like I couldn't pay attention to anybody else in the room. She's got her head on my chest, and I'm breathing her through uh, the contractions and talking to her in her ear and just telling her what a great job that she's doing and that we're transitioning and that's why it's painful and how strong of a woman she is. And that's the part that's getting me really emotional is coaching her through this, seeing her in a in a pain and in a play. We've been together for eight years, and so I've we've obviously I've seen a lot of things with her, and we've had ups and downs, of course, just like anybody has. Never seen her like this before. And for her to look me in the eyes, just broken and, and like telling me, you know, please. Mm -hmm. And me also feeling like I've been, she's wanted natural and all those things too, but I've been more the, the pusher on the doula, the pusher on the all natural. And so her feeling like I can't do this anymore. And then me being like, fuck. So I like just negotiate with her at one point and like, I'm like, all right, hon, we'll, we'll do it. Can you give me 15 minutes? And we'll check and see where you're at and see if, if you've dilated more. And she like looks back at me and she agrees. And then when we go and then she's just, then she's like about 12 minutes after that. We don't even make 15 minutes. She's like fucking screaming at the top of her lungs every now minute or less. And they get her and this whole time too. She stayed standing. And that was part of the coaching I was telling her too. Is like, honey, if we give them, if we give them the epidural, or you give you the epidural, you can't stand anymore. Like, and I know this is, you know, this is the best place we want to be. You know, this is going to make this go faster. You feel better right now in this place. You take that epidural and you're going to have to lay down. And I, you know how uncomfortable you are on your back. So she was like fighting it for that. They get her on, they check her, and now they go, oh, she's 10. She's ready to go. And we're like, oh, shit. So, so she, she made it before 15 minutes, yeah, ready to go. Yeah, 12 oh, minutes, wow. she was ready to go. So the whole time that I'm telling this story all over the place is when we're actually, after from the first moment we got in there and we're told we were five centimeters, it was an hour. You know, It was a total, total hour that we were in there going through all this. And she gets in and she does like, she, she straddles over the back of the bed, so her, her rear end's facing the doctor. And here's another situation where the, the doula was great. And then the doctor was like trying to tell her she needs to turn around. And she was the most comfortable in that position. 
and uh, the duel and her were kind of going back and forth about it because the doctor was freaking out that she can't deliver her that way. And the duel was like getting upset. Like, it was like, this is how the I, doctor I doesn't know how to do it. Right. right. That way. Right. Right. comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. So they kind of were having their little scrum. And while they were having their little scrum, Katrina can hear them. And she just fucking fuck it flips over, you know, for the doctor. They, they at this point, the doctor's just now kind of putting her, her scrubs on and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, we're going into labor. You know, this is, and so they get the, starting to get the holsters up or whatever they call the the bar, the, yeah. the squat bar. You mm-hmm. get the squat bar up for her and the duel wraps the towel on it. She's like, all right, hon. She's like, because before that, they were telling her during the contractions, don't try and push. They're like, work through it, work through it. Once you're dilated 10, now it's like, if you feel a contraction, fucking push, mm-hmm. right? So they're all getting ready. The bed's not, they haven't even got the thing down on the floor yet. They haven't got the thing to, to detach. They're they not can, ready. They're not ready at all. They're just like, oh, it's time to go to labor. And they're setting everything up. And Dula's saying, hey, it's fucking go time. So when you feel like you want to push, fucking push. So she grabs down and I'm in her ear and I'm like, listen, remember we talked about your pelvis and your core right now. And so when you get this, you fucking push. First push, boom, crowns. Oh. Doctor goes, oh shit. Fucking puts a hand on the puts her hand on the on the baby's head. Hold on. And Dula's like, don't hold on. Fucking push. No, you like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dula, she tells her to push again. Second push, boom, shoulders come out. Third push, poo, shoots out. Doctor catches him. It was like that. Wow. Bing, bam, boom. Yeah, it was that fucking fast, dude. It was so crazy. It was so insane. And then hands him up. We did a delayed co- uh, uh, cord cutting. She was in so much pain, though. You know, she was like out of it. There's a picture of her and the baby's laying on her chest, and she's like looking up. They're not even looking at him because she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's so much pain. She just went through war. Right, because they go well, right into her, too, and they still do work on her. Yeah, because you uh, still have to deliver the you know, everything else afterwards, and yeah. you're not done, done yeah, at that point. Yeah. yeah, so she's not, like, having her moment with her son yet, you know, so. And because he's four weeks early, they consider him a preemie, and so uh, only for a minute did she really get to hold he him. He doesn't look, he's he's five pounds, 14 ounces. Yeah. And he looks And he's totally, ni- 19 inches yeah. long. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he must have been, he would have been massive, apparently. Yeah, yeah. no, I he, the, I mean, I would project him to be nine and a half, ten pounds if he would have made mm-hmm. the the full term. Uh, but because of that, you know, he's had to go through all this testing stuff, which that's been a little frustrating for me as dad because there is, I think she's been misdiagnosed since day one about uh, being pre-diabetic. So because she's over the age of 35 and she's Hispanic, she automatically gets thrown in this like high risk category. Mm-hmm. And because the first test that she took for this, the stupid diabetes test, and they give her fucking 100 grams of sugar. And, and she sh- was before that basically keto. My girl hasn't had over 50 grams of sugar in like fucking eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, like she just doesn't eat that way. So like, her body's just hyper responsive. Yeah. Like, and that to me, it was like, no shit. You know what I'm saying? That she totally responded that way. So then we, she found out that she can opt out of that, but it was too late. They already put her in the program to be monitoring her. Mm-hmm. So we decided instead of them doing it and giving her, we would monitor at home. And bro, we every test, she, she had to t- take a test after every meal, right in the middle of perfect every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Every single time she was perfect. So what are they doing? They're doing blood tests on your boy every hour or something to make sure to see how yeah, his- dude, So he's been, he, poor guy, dude, he's been pricked 20 times, mm-hmm. you know? So after every hour, hour and a half or so, they come in, they prick him, they check his blood. So because she was high risk, they mm-hmm. and that automatically throws him in that. Yeah. Then you put him in the fact that he's preemies, so they automatically have to put him. So poor dude is like passing all tests. He was an, an eight APGAR score. He goes into the ICU, passes blood sugar, passes visual, passes everything, like with flying colors. And still has to kind of go through the process, but they got him out of there within three hours. And yeah, it's they're no just precaut. It's all precautions <laughs> and shit. I mean, because yeah. now you guys are going home a couple days later. 
Yeah, no, not yeah. So the, the, you have to be in there for a minimum of twenty four hours, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted him a little bit longer because of him being high risk. Uh, but he's he's done phenomenal, man. He's so good. He's fucking chill. super chill, man. Super chill. So Sal's chill. the only one that got him upset. <laughs> yeah, that was so. Dude, great. we walk in. It's <laughs> so funny. So no, we walk in uh, for the first time. I hadn't seen you or Katrina or your son since you guys went to labor. And I walk in and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And then the baby starts, you know, crying yeah. a little bit. And Adam's like, this is the first time he's cried. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's because yeah. he recognizes. Yeah. She was listening to Mind Pump yeah. Well, yeah, while she, was, she was pregnant. She it. does. She listens to every episode. He's so. like, that annoying son of a bitch. I thought yeah, I got yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> that's I awesome. That. I recognize that voice. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I just literally came from the circumcision right now. He didn't cry. Everybody, it's been so funny. Every process of the way. And, you know, Katrina and I, we've been, no matter what everybody's told us, we know that we are going to have our own experience. Mm -hmm. And so we've not allowed what everybody else has experienced to influence the way we feel and how, and how we're having things. And so we've just been fucking calm. Are you, are you, have you done the whole, like where he sleeps you just watch him? So like, wow, that's my boy. So I actually, I went home last night and, and by myself and, uh, I left her. And part of the reason why I did was, um, I actually have bonded a lot with him since, he, since I've had him more. So mm-hmm. since he's been born, um, you know, she was she does her what she needs to do for nursing, but it, it's so little that she he gets, and so it's like five ten minutes, and then I actually then she pumps, and then I actually take the syringe and give him the rest mm. uh, through syringe, and so I've done all the feedings, the changings. He's done all the skin to skin with me for hours on hours. I let her sleep. Why you know I so I've done a lot of bonding with him and. I felt like, you know what, like I can go home, I can get some rest. That'll give her the entire night mm-hmm. where she doesn't have me and she has to kind of like just them the two of them have mm-hmm. their time. And it was the first time that finally we got through most of the tests where she'd actually get like a six hour window where yeah. no one would fuck with her. So I actually left her last night just so they could you know, obviously I was texting and talking to her all night long, but I wanted them to and it was great because they did. They she he slept on her a lot and was connected, but for sure. My favorite part is that right now is that he's he's so fucking chill and calm and he gets in rhythm with your breathing and it's so wild to the point where it's it's even fun for me to kind of play with it because it's like, oh my God, this is crazy. He'll get on my chest and I'll just be laying there and listening to him breathe and he's breathing in sync with me. And I, the first time I noticed this was I yawned because I was tired, right? I, I yawned and it it like startled him and I was like, oh, that was weird. And then I kind of noticed any time that we were in rhythm with our breathing and he was on me, skin to skin, if I were to change any way of my breathing, it would startle him. But as long as I was breathing normal and he'd be breathing, I know he'd be out. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. So connected. Yeah, so connected, right? It's so it's so wild. really, really cool to to feel that, experience that. That was really rad. So no, I just can't, man. I, yeah, your energy is, uh, I mean, as soon as I saw you, you just have this calm I don't know, just different energy. I remember that. I remember that switch, you know, having just my taken kids. over. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can see it in you already. It's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, everybody is, uh, you know, again, everyone tells you about their experience and everything, but there's nothing that can explain it. That's right. why, you know, you always hear people, and this is annoying for people without kids, like, oh, you'll know when you have kids. And people are like, shut up. Like, yeah. It's true, yeah. though. There, there is a part to it. And it, I'm, again, I'm glad we had an experience with a doula and kind of talking about things of, you know, it's funny that how nature works and your instincts and, you know, the, uh, part of the, if there's any frustration that I've had in the last two days, uh, was actually having to listen to doctors and other people be involved in the whole process. I really feel like between her and I, like, just leave us alone. Like, let me, 
let us figure it out. Mm-hmm. Let us put it put it together. Like I'm not scared. I'm not worried. She's not like You're ready to go home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like let me let me take her let me take her home and and let's if we have any problems we'll call you guys. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I'm I want to be. I That's be so awesome, man. Yeah, 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 he's a cute little cute little guy. He does I, not look premature. He he looks like he went uh, full term. That's we're premature st- babies have a, a look, right? No, totally. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. And he's like, already getting cheeks, which was, is exciting for me. I was telling her <laughs> he's getting the cheeks. He's already changed in the 24 hours. It's wild to see that. Yeah, real. Yeah. Fa- they change fast, especially since he came out early, right? And then he's being fed. And I don't know how. Like he's got a lot of hair, dude. Yeah, there's yeah, dude. there's a lot of like he took all your hair. It's yeah. weird. It's <laughs> happened. <laughs> He took all your he hair. Did. He, did. he did. He did. He fucking did. Uh, I, that's what my used to look like. He's got like curls, like, oh, dude. Yeah. He's, he's got, got like mine turned all gray and white. Uh, he just stole your hair. That's yeah. That's, no. that's how it goes. Yeah. I, you know, everybody thinks their kid's good looking, but I'm not going to lie. I told Katrina this. This is like true story. Like, this is the cutest kid I've ever seen in my life. Well, when you <laughs> yeah. go to the, when you do the newborn classes, right. the, the kids they use in the videos, and boy, God, I hope to God nobody's fucking one of the parents of that that listen to the show. <laughs> like, kids, my side. The babies are ugly as fuck, bro. I remember telling Katrina, we get aliens. Get out of, yeah, we get out of the out of the newborn class. I look at her, I'm like, man, is our kid gonna look ugly like that? Yeah. I'm like, man, I ho- I sure you hope almost not. wanna expect Hey, that just wait till you start playing. You start playing the mind games, yeah. you're like, is my kid as cute as I think he well, is? Or is it because it's my kid? So like, this you'll is, never yeah. know. This is the feeling I had, right? So I that, that I have this impression when we do so the newborn the class. Test. <laughs> so I'm telling Katrina that, and then then I know he's gonna be a preemie, and I do know preemie babies do look. I mean, they're sure. they're, they're they should have been cooking longer, right? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I mean their their internal organs aren't even all the way up to where they're supposed to be. They're sucked in a little bit. So I'm like a little nervous, like when he's coming, like, man, is he gonna look like all Alien, scary looking, and ugly as fuck. My daughter know? says like a potato. <laughs> yeah, that's like what my daughter. Potato. My daughter says that's, a newborn. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, she says newborns look like potatoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. said that when her cousin was born. But he came, <laughs> he came out and uh, you know, he did. He to me, he didn't. He still had a lot of meat on his bones. Like he didn't look all scrawny looking. He's a, he's a cute kid. Yeah, he's small. Definitely yeah. small. I'm a little biased too, right? But not as yeah. biased as you. So. Yeah, get him fed. He's gonna be nice. Objectively and speaking, you got a good looking baby. Chunky, yeah. And <laughs> healthy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's, been a, it's been a wild Bro, ride. Dude. That's crazy to me that the doula, and, and I want to make sure we do a disclaimer here. We're not advocating for the use of hemp oil for pregnancy or, or contractions. No. So this, but this is what your doula said, which is cool. This yeah, is, yep, yep. She was, you know, she, Katrina was just reaching out for, you know, a, a natural way to hopefully dull some of the pain. And she said it to her. And then, well, the cannabinoids have uh, anxiolytic effects, um, which uh, may be why they help with pain. I don't know if well, they also, well, also, I think that's what it was, too, is because at this point, remember, we don't think we're in labor. So she's trying to think. It's, even the doula is like, because yeah. she's sent us to the hospital twice and we're getting turned away. She's yeah. like, these could be Braxton Hicks and she's just having our time. So she's trying to give her ways to like kind of calm her down. Yeah, because you're going to yeah. yeah, so we're like lights. Yeah, we're like lights out, you know, candlelight in the bathtub. I'm giving her the Ned. You know, that's kind of like we're trying to like just kind of yeah. chill her out. And maybe that's because what I noticed for the first two times with the hospital once they hooked her all up and they gave her an IV and stuff, she did kind of the, the the contractions kind of calmed down a little bit. She felt maybe like she's like okay, I'm safe yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people don't realize that the a lot of the reason why we don't like pain or or the 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 painful quote unquote part of pain isn't so much the physical sensation of the pain. Uh, but rather the the thoughts and fears surrounding pain. This right. is why little like what's kids- What's going to happen as a result? Yeah, this is why little kids, like if you talk to surgeons who uh, operate on children, they'll tell you that they'll do a surgery on a child that normally would lay a person out for a week and the kid is trying to get out of bed the next day and play yeah. because they don't know, they don't have the same fear and thoughts around it. And so what cannabinoids uh, seem to show in literature is that they have some, especially when you have 
multiple cannabinoids, uh, like CBG. That's another one that is found in hemp oil and some cannabis. Is uh, It's got some effects like CBD. And when you combine them all together, you get that effect. And that's what and Ned you can has, still get that from hemp. He- hemp CBG. is, yeah, the Ned is full spectrum. So, so it's it all, all of it. Yeah, it's not just CBD. It's all I the wish I would have, I, you know, it didn't even dawn on me that that would be a potential thing or else I obviously wouldn't have used the last bit of That's ours. cool that the duelist, because she's trained in this, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. that's pretty freaking rad. Yeah, she was great, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm, Alternative I'm, options, man. Yeah. Now, how cool. is how is the nursing? Because I know sometimes there's, although the latching on process, so some women have struggled with, with latching on where the baby's born and to get them to latch onto the nipple it's like this whole process oh, they yeah. even have uh coaches that come Lactate, in yeah yeah which i was not i didn't know until i had my own kids but uh apparently from what i've read uh natural childbirth improves the success and odds of latching on has katrina had no problems no dude. problems at yeah all? i mean and she's he, producing wow. enough milk and all that stuff she well, this right now it's all the just a colostrum right yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's i mean it's so it's like milk. which is anabolic bro right yeah Can, that colo- <laughs> whenever harvest right that, now dude. he needs it but yeah. like don't worry i'm storing some for yeah. myself whatever's so. left over yeah, with yeah, our yeah, supplement sure. company that's it yeah, the, the 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 breasting or the what the uh, breastfeeding coach or whatever her name whatever they call her she was in there like lactation consultant yeah that's what it was thank you and they're in there uh, talking about the pump and you know it's good to do that. I'm like, oh, no, when we get home, I'll do that part. Don't trip. <laughs> yeah. so, I'll keep those things going. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's anabolic. Don't trip. I'll be, I'll be getting some Adam's of that. Adam's getting jacked. Yeah. Like, yeah, bro. You look pretty good. You get it tasted? Or yeah, yeah. Oh, stop. Oh, come yeah. on. God, come on. You have to, bro. You got to. Come on. I, uh, I never did. Really? No. You pussy. I never did. Really? Come no. On. It was weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, no. Not that, like, not that I'm a po- like nah, Yeah, know. not that I'm like super opposed. Well, you're, 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 you're also you also have you you also have tummy issues, so I get it, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like <laughs> you're no, scared. Yeah. Milk's right. good, dude. Yeah. Throw a little Nestle in my mouth it's and then, sweet, dude. Yeah. 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 Fresh so, something to it. Yeah. Oh my god, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Well well breast milk is the perfect human food. It's uh very high in uh you know, healthy fats for the child. It actually contains uh, natural cannabinoids, talking about cannabinoids. So human breast milk has been shown to contain, I believe it's anandamide. I think that's the name of the cannabinoid that humans make that's in breast milk. Because what you'll notice with your child, as the, even especially as he gets older, is he'll cry or whatever, then she'll breastfeed him. And then he'll look like, like he'll breastfeed, 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 and then he'll just... <sighs> Yeah. yeah, and they get like milk drunk. Yeah, yeah. do you remember that, so Justin? Pass out. Yeah. yeah, where they're just like, ah, it's like, like oh, after what? I eat a bunch of turkey. So yeah, like, like, yeah, would you yeah. give? Would you get? It could be the cannabinoids, and the, uh, but but it's got a great fatty acid profile, of course, protein, and then there's some natural sugars in there. Um, and so one of the things I think it was who was it that we interviewed that talked all about um pregnancy, nutrition, and post pregnancy? Was it Grun- uh, Grunky? Yeah, is yeah. that last? Mm-hmm. As they say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. When we talked, I think it might have been off air. She was talking about how important it is to eat a good, uh, adequate amount of healthy fats while you're breastfeeding so that you produce it more. Mm -hmm. And uh, she advocated for grass-fed beef because of the fatty acid profile, which is a little, you know, butcher box. Good thing we're all set up. We got all the best connections, bro. We (laughs) did this all before. So she's got the butcher box, grass-fed meat. You had the Ned for the whatever. Yeah, no, we're set on all that stuff for sure. I tell you what, though, we did did not have, I mean, this was four weeks away, so by no means did we have, I mean, we didn't even have the clothes washed for to put him in because you had to go home and do the car seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? The car, car seat was still in the box. You know, yeah. Doug got the car seat right, so it was still in the box. I had to go do that. Bassinet wasn't put together. Swing wasn't put together. 
he we didn't wa- we hadn't washed any of his newborn clothes that he could yeah. be in, so we had to go wash it with all the whatever that fucking newborn soap is, right? That he so has- so here's the things that I was so when I had my son, I tried to be. And I was young though. I was uh, how old was I when I had my son? Twenty four, twenty five. But I tried to be very self aware of the changes that happened after having my son. And here's some of the stuff that I noticed. So I wonder if you'll notice the same thing. I noticed that certain things pissed me off that didn't piss me off before. Like mm-hmm. before when I'd read about like politics or shit that's happening in the world, I'd be like, whatever, you know, I'll do my own thing. Do your own. All of a sudden I was like, these fucking assholes. Yeah. They're going to make the world <laughs> yeah, fucked up. Like it's I'm going to be terrible so I, world out there. All of a sudden I cared about shit. Like, yeah. and I got pissed off. And then I got, here's the other thing that I noticed. I got emotional. I was never emotional before. I'm not yeah. an emotional person. Or at least I wasn't. And then I have my kid and I watch cartoons with him. And something will happen on the cartoon, like Finding Nemo, when the, when the fish can't find his dad or whatever. <laughs> That's a terrible movie. Yeah, I'm sitting there, like, they start crying and shit. What the one. fuck happened to me, dude? Yeah. So those are two things. Like, pay attention. See what what you notice about Yeah, it. no, I'll, right now, the things that I said I wouldn't do or that I didn't think I was going to do that I ended up doing, one was watching him come out, and then two was cutting the uh, the cord. Oh, yeah, you were all like, I'm not going to watch my movie. Yeah, no, I was like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't want to see that's that. The birds. Was, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, yeah. that's my, that's a very special place for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> I, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to see a train wreck happen down there. Oh you know my god, he's fucking, that's just gonna. He's still at him. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, the same, dude. yeah so I'm good, dude. I'm good. Yeah. I have no, but no, it's, but no, it doesn't. You, you no want to see it? Yeah. Great. Well, what it was again? What it? It's funny because those two things, both the cord and that, neither one of them I had any desire to do. Uh, but I also was not like, no, I won't. Right? I was not like that. But I'm like, nah, I'm cool. I don't want to. You know, but when we game time came, it wasn't the desire to see him coming in into coming in like a lot of people talk about. It was again, I was so connected to her, yeah. and I was so like so emotional about her that I just wanted to see it, get it out, and tell her like you're there. Like when it crowned, I was so elated to tell her. You see his little hair. Yeah, Did you do that there? intuitively because uh, the duel actually like kind of moved me in that direction. So I was like right there for like uh, you know front row, and I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I'm yeah. saying it's all happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just intuitively where I nothing was like planned or talk. I mean, it was so fast. There was no like, hey, you should go here, Adam, or right. you guys should do this. It was just like you said. The doctor had to catch the baby. Yeah, but oh, he yeah. literally fired out. Yeah, they didn't yeah. even have they because they they only do like a little support thing that goes underneath, so so that doesn't have right. You have to worry. Like he there was tile underneath him. Like he was oh getting God. and shot like into into her arms. It was crazy. He's already doing yeah. stunts. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he came, he came flying out, and again, like I was so into like coaching her through the process that it was more like me I'm cuz I'm standing right between I'm, her head's right here right to my left to the right and she's got she's in the holsters and she mm-hmm. did the you know grab on the ropes and you know at that point when it said go time I, that, that that's a little bit of coaching that I had to do with her is everything we talked about tightening and pressing with her core and and engaging her pelvis and she just did it all at once and just poof. Isn't it just a did you did you stop to think do you have you had enough time to stop and think how just insane and I don't know what words you want to use miraculous and strange and just crazy the whole process is like you and her combined your it's like an outer body experience yeah you guys combined your programs or your whatever you want to call your DNA your essence made a new a brand new human that's never existed before based off of your two mixes grows inside of her and then it comes out and boom there's, I mean, it's just a crazy. The whole yeah. thing is wild, right? No, it's been it's been surreal for us too because it's. I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of it right now. Like literally, as soon as we hang up these mics, I'm flying back to the hospital. Uh, so it it's still hasn't even fully set in. I don't think it's still. Yeah. It happened so quick for us that we weren't. 
prepared for anything. Bro, you were had to get him at your house, yeah, dude. Yeah. Four it's days ago, awesome. you didn't have a kid. Yeah. yeah. And nor was I even talking. I was like, I told Katrina, I was like, oh, maybe this weekend I'll do the basketball. I remember talking <laughs> to you. Here's a funny thing. So I, I, I remember when, I don't know if it was at the beach or before that, but you and I were talking. I think it was when she, the doctor told her, oh, it might happen sooner than we think or whatever. Yeah. The look on your face was hilarious because you went from, <laughs> you know why? And I know you explained it to me very well. Yeah. You said that you, you were, you had put it off till two weeks before. Like, I'm not going to like really think and worry about it until two weeks before the due date. Right. But then you got a wake up call. Like it probably could happen now. The look on your face oh, is yeah. totally different. Well, right away, I started thinking of work right away because yeah. we booked all these trips to be flying out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we, thinking, we had a lot going on here. Yeah. yeah, and it's crazy the way I'm so glad it happened on the weekend when it happened because there's that happened so fast. I would have missed it if we were in Denver. Think about I that. Oh, think about God. that. If, oh, we, if, we, were in Denver, if we were in Denver in Seattle... You that, weren't supposed to oh, miss it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, dude, that, that, like that's crazy to me. That tripped me out. That I was like, "Whoa!" That I totally could have missed that. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine because I'll know when the contractions start coming, and then I'll be able to get on a plane, and more likely it'll be. I mean, and the nurses were that way. You should have seen the way they're all walking around and acting like, yeah. "Oh yeah, it'll be." You know, it'll be. He'll probably be here in ten hours or thirty hours, somewhere in that range. And nah, it was go time. And she, she was a champ, dude. Like she. I, I, it's crazy to me, like, the, and I just get emotional just even talking about her through this whole thing, which is again weird for me. I expected that to be a, it's my boy, sure. and, and and it's all about that. It hasn't. There's been this this connection and bonding with her on another level that you know. To your point too, we we made this together. We got through this together. Like we did it naturally. Like we wanted to. We experienced all that together. And I can't believe she made it. Like that that part to me was amazing and like i'm so proud and like so much god respect for her to do that there's like i was looking at her and i, I, I had no words i had no more words or no coaching i had nothing left to say to her after about the third time that she cried and looked me in the eyes and said i can't do it anymore uh, like i'm like fuck mm -hmm. what do i what do i keep telling her like, new level of respect. you got this you know yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you got this High five. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. What, do, what do you say to that? Well, that I mean, point? let's be honest. If we were the ones having kids, right. it would it's be a, a scheduled, you know, full anesthesia. I'll yeah. wake up and the baby's there. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, man. Carve it out of me. Congratulations, dude. Yeah. I'm yeah. We're all it. super excited. It's I mean, going to be a fun, gonna be a fun couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica yeah. was so, Jessica got it. She never gets a cold, never mm. gets sick, got a cold. And then, of course, you're like, we're going into labor. And she's fucking was mad for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have time yeah. to get you cigars or anything. Yeah, it's all bullshit. good. Yeah. I, I, got, I got a dom, my dom at home, so we'll pop a bottle of that when she's... Uh, oh, you yeah, got that? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll do that. But Jessica's excited to see the baby, so we'll wait until her cold is gone and we'll stop by. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, I can't wait. We're going to be home today and then, uh, you know, I'm most excited about today going forward. Like, I just, I feel like I want to have just time with him and, you know... That's most, all you're going to want to do. Yeah, most of mm -hmm. the family and friends, they've kind of bust through... Uh, the last couple of days and seen seen everyone been by and stuff like that and we'll be home pretty much by ourselves and get that finally let that one on one time so dude I can't wait it's like awesome. it's hours away right awesome, now awesome bro yeah, love man. you guys man very yeah. proud very yeah, proud yeah. of Katrina good job Katrina very excited yeah, yeah appreciate all the support from you guys love you guys this quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout.
Our first question is from Jay Selfit. You talk about metabolic adaptations to cardiovascular exercise, such as running on the treadmill, etc. But are there ways to prevent that from happening while keeping endurance and stamina levels up? If okay. so, how? All right, well, so this is a good question. It, it is a good question, although that's what the that's what you're adapting to by keeping endurance and stamina levels up. That's what the body is doing because you're yeah. – so it's kind of like – That's the thing about adaptation. I think uh, people don't uh, quite understand. Uh, there it's are, not a bad thing. No, it's there are adaptations that um, counter each other, and there are adaptations that tend to complement each other. So let me give you a couple examples. If your body is adapting to have more endurance and more stamina – that means that your body's trying to uh, be more efficient with energy, right? So think of a think of a car engine. You want a car that's more efficient with gas. It's going to be smaller. It's going to be a four-cylinder or two-cylinder engine with an electric motor, something like that, right? So your muscles are going to shrink to become more efficient. You don't need a lot of strength for an endurance and stamina. Therefore, you don't need lots of muscle. And uh, subsequently, less muscle will also make you lighter, and make you burn more calories, make you make uh, burn, you know uh, less calories to make you more efficient. That is the opposite of the adaptation that you're asking from your body when you're trying to get stronger or build and build more muscle. If I'm trying to get stronger, what I'm asking my body to do is make its muscles bigger, and the side effect of that is becoming less efficient with energy, burning more calories. So they're opposing adaptations. Mm -hmm. So if I'm training for one, then I'm going to lose a little bit of the other one. And if I train for the other one, it's I'm going to lose it. It's just what's going to happen. Yeah. If I train for both at the same time, I don't get a lot of either. I get a little bit of either. If I train for just one, I get a lot of that one and much, much, much less of the other. So if your goal is to have stamina and endurance, uh, you're, you have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to maximize Strength and muscle building and, and metabolism, and it really depends on. And you 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 lean more in whichever one's more of the priority, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm talking to an endurance athlete and somebody that really cares about, it, but then they also want to be stronger and build muscle, we spend most of our time building stamina and endurance because that's their highest priority. But we still strength train, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean they won't build any muscle and they won't get stronger. They absolutely will, but more they'll they'll have more of an adaptation towards energy and endurance and they're not going to build as much muscle and then the the reverse is true if i have somebody comes to me and says adam i want to build muscle but i also want to you know i want to have some good stamina but my main goal is to build muscle okay well we're going to prioritize lifting weights and building muscle and we're going to do the occasional cardiovascular training and then i guess there's there's some uh hacks or some better ways uh, or rules, I think that you should follow if you're if you're the if you fall in the build muscle, but you also still want a little bit of stamina endurance, but mm -hmm. it's not your major priority. That's where things like hit are really valuable and training at like a, a higher intensity but shorter duration. Right. So like sprints. Yeah, yeah, sprints and you know only doing cardio for like thirty minutes or less. Mm -hmm. Doing it for hour or beyond an hour. Oh man, you're you're it's it's. You start getting that far in, into cardiovascular training, it, it becomes really difficult to also be trying to add a lot of muscle at the same time. Yeah, this to me, it just highlights uh, like specialization and in, in, in terms of like, that's a goal of mine is to gain more endurance. Uh, I've had other athletes that want to get more explosive, had other athletes want to get like just strong, like way stronger. And so 
the majority of the programming is going to be based around that. However, there's going to be phases where we're going to make sure like, so for, for instance, for endurance, I'm going to make sure that we're uh, focusing on strength so we're able to support the joints. And so it's going to elongate that process for them so they don't like inevitably end up with too much repetitive movement that's all the same that's going to end up in result in injury. Right. Now, the other thing, too, is that, you know, we you can go a little extreme in this uh, direction as well and actually lose performance in your desired adaptation. Um, and sometimes competing adaptations can actually benefit each other, uh, but it's very it's, you have to be very careful. So here's my example. If your stamina is so bad that it's limiting you from being able to exert your strength right. uh, effectively, then some endurance training will actually make you stronger. It'll make you uh, it'll it'll make you healthier in a way that you can build more muscle. And on the other side, I've trained endurance athletes with resistance training and improved upon their endurance. Now, it wasn't because we focused all their training on building strength, but it's because their lack of strength was getting in the way of yeah. their ability to maximize their endurance. So we would do a little bit of it. So you do benefit from doing a little bit of, of everything, but uh, at some point they do start to compete. Now, again, some adaptations are very complementary. So a, a good example would be like if I'm training for the adaptation of hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, that's going to uh, complement the adaptation of maximal strength. Maximal strength is a performance adaptation. I just want to lift as much weight as I possibly can for one rep. Some hypertrophy is going to help that, and strength is going to help hypertrophy. This is why you can move in and out of certain adaptations and complement your overall goal. But some are just so opposing that you have to be very careful. And lots of endurance is quite opposing to lots and lots of strength. And so you just have to be careful. And like Adam said... Consider which goal is your primary goal, and if you're if you're in one of those people that's like I like both, then do both. Right. Just, just do both of them and be okay with the fact that look that you're going to look. Look at mixed martial artists, right? A, a mixed champion mixed martial artist is not going to be the best boxer in the world. You know, he's not going to be he or she's not going to be the best uh, jujitsu fighter in the world or the best collegiate wrestler. Um, they're the best mixed martial artist. They do all of those things quite well, but they do none of them. Typically, not any of them at a super high world class level. Sometimes one of them. Oh, we saw this example with uh, Mayweather and McGregor. Right, right, right. And so this is what happened when you train, and that's a that's a great example of adaptation. Like you have your 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 body and your brain has a limited capacity to adapt, and oftentimes what makes you better at one thing is also what's going to make you worse at another thing. And it's a lot like I've used this analogy before, and I love it because I think it paints the picture so well. It's like when you're creating your character on a video game and you, they give you, you know, 30 points to work with yeah. and you have to put you some spread it out. Yeah, you got strength, you got speed, you got stamina, you've got endurance, you've got flexibility and you got 30 points and you can kind of mix it up and you've all done this before where you're like, "Cool, I'm going to give him 30 points of power, screw everything else, and you ass kicked in the game cuz yeah. you're yeah. not balanced out or whatever." <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of how it works, so, you know, and he, here's the bottom line. If you want to be healthy, let's say your goal is longevity. You're like, I want to be able to be fit and healthy forever. A mix of everything is ideal. Mm -hmm. um, being too specialized in one thing, the risk of injury and the risk of burnout and the risk of issues actually goes up quite a bit. Like if right. I, all I ever do is focus on strength, my risk of injury goes up. If all I ever focus on is, endur is endurance, same thing. So the reality is uh, being specialized, great for performance, great for maximum whatever your goal is, for longevity and doing this long term, 
you probably want to do a mix of everything. Next question is from Amelia 10. What alternative exercises would you suggest to someone who doesn't have access to a rack or barbell and can't complete compound lifts like squats, deadlifts, and the bench press? Well, this is this is exactly what motivated us to create Map Starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the that was the point was for somebody who, who's who can't complete the the exercises, the lifts that you just uh, listed off, and don't have access to a rack and a barbell. Well, it's, if they're advanced, though, Starter is a great program, especially for beginners. But if they're advanced, um, I would say Map Anywhere. Yeah, but why do you think they're advanced though? Um, they don't have access to it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can't do them or that they, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, that they don't have access to them. Oh, then I would go anywhere then. Yeah, anywhere would yeah, probably. So dep- but, I, but then I see right away, they, they says, I can't complete compound lifts like squats, deadlifts, and the bench press. Yeah. So if you just, so somebody who just can't do them because they don't yeah. have the Well, I think this was a temporary thing. Yeah, they, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so Maps Anywhere would probably be the ideal program. But here's the thing. I think we should list alternative exercises Two barbell squats, barbell deadlifts, barbell bench presses. Like, why not? Like, what are the exercises? I just did this for somebody for squats. Uh, Lunges are incredible. Oh, they're phenomenal. So, so underrated. Wouldn't you guys say? One of the best. Yeah, it's it's one of the places I think as a trainer that you learn quickly that when you get a, a client who's especially advanced age or just lacks the mobility or the strength. Uh, to to do squats and the, and it's a very technical movement. Uh, almost always, I think I started on clients in, in lunges. Well, any I mean, this is a great time, and we've highlighted the importance of unilateral training in general. And right. I know that like having barbells and access to barbells and doing these compound lifts are very important. We stress that all the time, but there are times where you know it is very good idea to just focus on unilateral training for a while. That's going to help to benefit um, you know your your bilateral movements. Well, to that point, that's exactly where I'd go for deadlifts also. A, a single leg toe touch um, with just your body weight and then eventually progressing to actually doing that with dumbbells. Single leg deadlifts. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Single leg deadlifts are incredible. Oh, mm-hmm. phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, and, and of course, all your presses just throw dumbbells on it. And I'll, I'll argue that dumbbells are, in terms of presses, shoulder presses and bench presses, I will argue are as good. Or yeah, better. about as good. In some cases, better. I could see it going back and forth in terms of barbell, um, barbell. You know, squats. Look, a, a lunge or a split stance exercise, like a Bulgarian split stance squat, a walking lunge, a back step lunge, a step up, which is kind of an alt, another version of a of a split stance squat, if you will. All those movements are very similar to a squat. If you look at a squat and you look at a lunge, the front leg of a lunge mm-hmm. or a Bulgarian squat or whatever is doing the squat. The difference is you have one leg going yeah. back. One suspended. Exactly, and it's offering support or whatever. And to be honest, in terms of functionality, one leg in front, one leg in back uh, really simulates uh, more of what running and walking look like Anyway, and I've heard some coaches make pretty compelling arguments. Oh, there's arguments against, yeah, just doing unilateral training. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, yeah, I've heard many, like, brilliant, like, strength coaches, like, argue it. But, yeah, like, I mean, there's – you could argue cases on both sides for sure. But I I think that it is – it's just a great idea to do in general. It's going to help you to really – 
isolate too where any dysfunctions lie. Like a lot of times we get into sort of the the mode of like doing the exercise and, and completing the exercise without really paying attention to, you know, the firing sequence. Like what is everything happening the way it should be happening? Mm-hmm. Like are there any deviations? Are there any like external rotations? Are there anything happening like within the kinetic chain that you need to pay attention to? This exaggerates it. Yeah. This, this actually makes me want to have uh, write this down. Maybe Doug, maybe take a note to send over to Danny because I would love Danny to actually to do uh, videos of exactly like what don't have a barbell. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Here or the you know ideal replacement exercises for these these three major lifts because the squat like we're talking, the lunge in my opinion is is one of the best movements that you should you should do or both period yeah, yeah period it's, yeah. it's it's such a great great movement and if you can't do squats it's for sure the first replacement I would go and I think that single leg deadlifts. Uh, just what you get from the balance and stability of that, the hip strength that you get, uh, anti-rotation that you get from it. I mean, that is probably one of the most underrated movements uh, that I really didn't start incorporating into my own personal routine till later on and saw huge carryover and benefit into mm-hmm. my big compound lift. So, so and, and it's uh, it's so easy to, because you do that just their body weight, single leg toe touch or single leg deadlift, same difference is just someone's body weight is challenging. You get a client who's deconditioned a little bit, they'll be sore as fuck just their body weight. Four reps. Right. And then you add five pounds or 10 pounds in each hand, like super challenging. And you can actually get to the point where, and and I've done videos on my Instagram way back when, you know, I'm doing that with like 80, 90 pound dumbbells. Oh my God. You Mm want to light up your glutes and hamstrings. Oh my God. And with the focus of the anti-rotation component, I think is, is a huge thing because I mean, I... We've even had people asking, uh, you know, in DMs and on the forum about uh, when they deadlift and th- they turn and, and, and they oh, rotate yeah. in their turn in the deadlift. And this is one of those uh, exercises that's perfect to really just focus it down and and make sure that, um, you know, you're not getting that 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 hip rotation. Yeah. And have you guys ever tried a like a, it's almost like a split stance dumbbell deadlift you yeah. ever do that before that's, a, that's even the regression to that like if i have a client that can't even balance on one leg yep then i'll do what you're or saying or if you just want to like push weight right you yeah. can kind of do like the split stance uh you know dumbbell deadlift i tell you what like um in terms of the average person progressing if you don't have access to a barbell you can get pretty damn far now you're not going to be able to push these crazy maximal grinding you know uh, you know type of weights like you would with a barbell um but you can get pretty damn far and as far as hypertrophy is concerned as far as developing muscle i think you could get damn close for the upper body i wouldn't see a difference at all i mean upper body uh, everything with dumbbells you would be absolutely fine in fact uh, oftentimes you find uh, bodybuilders uh, do that anyway because they feel more control and connection to the muscle it's the lower body where it gets a little bit more tricky um, I mean, pistol squats. There's another one right there. Try just doing a one-legged bodyweight squat. Yeah, it's hard. It very, very hard. It's a lot of resistance, and watch what happens to develop the development of your legs. Here's the thing: there's there's very few things, uh, equipment-wise, that can prevent you from achieving a phenomenal physique. In fact, you can have no equipment, and you could still accomplish a phenomenal physique. Some of the most amazing bodies that I've ever worked with in my entire life were people that worked out with almost no equipment at all. I mean, I've worked with gymnasts. uh, I've worked with calisthenic uh, enthusiasts, people who work out with rings and bars and stuff. 
uh, you know, in, uh, in you ever you ever see like bar? They think they call them barmen. You, you oh, the seen, guys in New York. Yeah, oh, or, yeah. Or, or like the Calisthenic a, Kings. And yeah, those guys. and a lot of these like uh, uh, and a lot of started in prison where uh, some jails would remove weights because you know inmates were <clears throat> were using them to hit each other or whatever, mm-hmm. and all they would have would be pull up bars, and so the guys would get super creative with the bars, mm-hmm. and they would just get these incredibly. In, I mean, just amazing physiques. You really need no equipment. I used to say this all the time uh, as a trainer. I don't give a fuck how busy the gym is. Give me a pair of dumbbells and a bench, or give me the floor. Give me like f- four first square feet of floor space, and I'm well, going to give my client a great workout. I would say yeah. I would. I, most of my training career was done like that because <laughs> if you're a trainer <laughs> and you, yeah, you worked in a big box gym, and most clients want to train after work, which is five to nine p.m. You ain't getting all the fucking pieces of equipment you want. Mm-mm. So no. you know, you learn as a trainer to, to go find a little. You know, four by four square area, exactly. and bring some dumbbells, a mat, yeah, maybe step a box. Yeah, that's about it. and you do the entire. I do a whole entire workout with my client in that one little. And square. a phenomenal workout. Yeah, a phenomenal no. workout. I mean, again, this is the inspiration behind Maps Anywhere. I remember when we wrote that, it was all about like, yeah. oh, this is how I used to have to train people at prime time in the gym. Right. Let's make it happen. Next question is from Chris four seventy five. How is training different as a teenager? Hmm. So it's funny when I read when I hear this question, I have two perspectives: remembering what it was like to work out as a teenager, mm. and then knowing what it's like to train <laughs> yeah. a teenager. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember what it was like to work out as a teenager? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, the, the hardest part about, um, I mean, it's you're still in, you're still even though you're not like a, a child anymore and you're a young adult as a teenager, you still you're it's uh and it's like it's the central nervous system like still learning like good patterns. Yeah. And I and I can I can vividly like see myself <laughs> working out right now like back then. That's when the that's when you do a dumbbell press and the dumbbell one would be go oh it's just yeah. one to the left. Well, <laughs> and it's like when I I remember bench press was so hard for me and, and it was so frustrating cuz my two buddies that we used to work out together uh they were so much stronger than I was and uh, my form was terrible and we just you know we're young teenagers so we don't understand mechanics right we don't understand like it's all about pushing as much yeah it's just like trying to get stronger they they don't know why i'm not stronger i don't know why i'm stronger you know and you just i just blame it on being skinny and long and that's all it is i don't but i'm really i'm not learning to the movement properly and i'd have one of my buddies would be pushing my shoulders down uh, and then my other buddy would be balance, helping me balance the bar as I'm pressing, you know. So I got two guys <laughs> spotting, you know, one guy's holding the shoulders down, guys. And I'm laughing for the same thing, dude. I went through that same process. Yeah, and, I, and you just, I hadn't been taught like, you know, proper mechanics of a movement and how to do it. So that training a teenager, that to me, that's probably the most difficult thing as a teenager, and even coaching one is getting them to understand the how how the chest works and it, how the where the posture needs to be in order to optimally use the chest and not cuz the brain the way the brain works is just get this weight off of me or just pick this weight up like you have to train the brain to fire the muscles that you want to carry most of the load and that takes that takes some time to good pra- form is not natural. It's not. No. It's not no. at all. It's no. counterintuitive. Right. Yeah. The body will just use leverage. It'll just leverage and use every bit of muscle in the body to try and get it up. And when you're a, a young teenager 
trying to figure that out and piece that together, that's probably one of the hardest things. And so there is a lot of value in having a good mm-hmm. coach or a good trainer who teaches really good biomechanics because that's what I remember as a kid. And then I also remember that is training these young kids. That was one of the most challenging things. Which, But it also made me a great trainer because you that's where you started to learn all these little cues, you know, squeeze the shoulder, you know, pinch my finger, you know, so I could squeeze my shoulder blades back and you do shit like that to get them to do the cues that you need for them to pr- perform the movement. So, yeah. But as far as like the exercises that they can do, they can do everything that a, a grown-ass adult can do. It's just you get, it's a little more challenging yeah. as far as... I, I mean, I started working out seriously, like consistently at around 14 years old. Like I was in... That's it. I, I was in the backyard. I was doing my five-day or six-day split Um from day one, as soon as I decided I was going to do it, and I got real consistent, and I had my dad at a weight set. And the thing that I remember as a teenager, like Adam says, form was uh, impossible. You know, I, I didn't, I copied the pictures that I saw in the magazines or in my Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Yeah. And then the goal was to see how heavy I could lift. The good news is this the good news is, you know, at 14 years old, my, you know, childlike testosterone levels are entering into. Uh, the highest levels that uh, I, I'll, I'll ever have in my whole life. Like it's start, it's going up, and I'm on natural steroids. It yeah. is just climbing and climbing and climbing, um, and I'm sure it peaked probably at some time in my <laughs> late teens, early twenties, and uh, and because I'd never worked out before, because it was a new stimulus, because of the testosterone, and be, you know because I'm obviously a beginner, so I'm, I'm weak to begin with. I had strength gains. All the time. Yeah. It was hilarious. Like no matter what I did, I'd come back and I'd do two more reps or four more reps every single time. And I, I have, I still have at home. I got to bring these to, to you Your guys. Workout logs. I have workout from when I was wow, fourteen. You still have those? When I was fourteen I years I, old. I wish I kept so all mine. Oh, oh, dude, yeah. I have uh, written workout logs. And then this is how you know how to, what a neurotic, <laughs> like, fucking maniac I was. Fifteen or sixteen years old. I got we got our first computer. I actually printed out. My workout, my arm measurements, my chest measurement, my shoulder measurements, and the weights that I lifted for how many reps. <laughs> and I have it week by week. I have a folder. That's so well, great. Yeah, and I see. I'm like, I get stronger all the time. And it was I wasn't I wasn't going Dude, from like 300 pounds to 320. It was I was like, yeah. I was purely about like competing with whoever's doing the most. Like yeah. I wanted to take them out. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all I cared about, yeah. dude. Like I wanted to be in the group of the guys that were lifting the most weight. Yeah. You know, I was getting really pissed when I was like in this medium group, you know. They would actually take us by position and and You're in the middle. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. in the middle. I was like, no, there's these other guys that were like stronger than me. And so like it, I was just like monkey see, monkey do. I would just like study them and I was like watching every single like lift that they would do and like try to mimic it as best as I could and that was like all I had to 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 really like focus my efforts towards and you know eventually it paid off because like you said that like natural testosterone started to kick in and then I was just like oh wow this is working like I'm I'm getting stronger I'm getting stronger and your I body's like my form wasn't that great yeah, and your body's like Gumby yeah. like like I would do workouts and like if I did some of the shit that I did then now I'd be done I'd be like you guys I can't come to work tomorrow I mean I would do yeah. I would look at the routine and I'd be like, oh, Arnold says do 20 sets per body part. Okay, cool. So I'm going to work my whole body today. So I'd be in the backyard for, I don't know, three and a half hours and I'd do the whole fucking thing and I'd be dead when I come. My mom would be like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I got to take a nap. And I'd wake up the next day and, you know, I'd be sore, but I'd, I'd go back. It's just, so your body's extremely resilient. 
Uh, and now here's the thing with training a teenager, it's a pain in the ass, and I'll tell you why. When you train a teenager, the body awareness just isn't quite all there. Well, yet. even besides that, half of the battle is keeping them engaged. That's half the battle because I'd say a, a majority of the teenagers that came to work out with me where their, their parents hired me, it was their parents' idea. It was their parents saying, hey, I work with this trainer. I want you to see him because you're playing baseball or football or I think it's a good idea that you get some activity. And so I'd make friends with them and I'm trying to keep them engaged. So it was really hard for me to sit there and explain form and technique because that's boring as shit, right, to, to a teenager. So I'd be keeping them engaged. We'd have good conversation. Then we'd do the set and we'd get real focused. Here's the thing with training a teenager. Form is everything because, like we're saying, proper form does not come natural. And how, if you take a 25-year-old or 30-year-old and how hard it is to teach them proper form, it can be even harder to teach a teenager. Now, the good news is a teenager's body adapts faster. So a 30-year-old with bad movement patterns can take a while. With a teenager, if they're focused and they do what you tell them, it's amazing how yeah. fast they improve. It yeah. is literally week over week. I, I'm do, I do this with my son. I've, I've trained my son spir, uh, you know, sporadically, and I watch him. And the next workout, I'm like, holy shit, like, this is a huge improvement. So that's the thing with trained teenagers. Proper form, make it perfect, make sure that they connect perfectly, keep them engaged. Yeah. If you can do that, the, everything else is amazing. And what ends up happening is you create this positive, if you do it right, this positive association with working out, you have a window to really help, you know, this teenager like be set up for life. Dude. And, and I, I really am passionate about like pairing them to the right coach that will just really hone in on the mechanics and and establishing these good patterns because dude, you can just keep building on that from forever. Like most of our experiences was, you know, like going back and fixing all these like bad things that we've established in the way that we move. And mm. uh, you know, you have an opportunity opportunity as a teenager to really hone in on that and like set yourself up for success long term well this is to a, a, another place that like unilateral and balance type work it, there's a lot of value here and you know even though we we've mocked it before as like everyone balancing on weird stuff but it's if you can get a teenager to get competitive with trying to make the movement perfect and look perfect versus how much weight they're moving, you'll get way more benefit from that. Mm -hmm. So for example, like we were just talking about in the last question about like single leg toe touch, like that's that can be a very ugly exercise or it can be a really beautiful movement if you if you focus on that. And you know, and you see this all the time when you walk through and you can always this is how I can always tell when there's like a really good trainer or not. Like I can take a, a single leg toe touch and even the most advanced person, and I can make that thing fucking challenging. I mean, I I can take a PVC pipe and run it down the back of their spine and make sure that their their head, their shoulder blades, and their hips are all touching it through the entire movement while they do it, and make it all controlled and slow and top stop at the top and balance. Like you can, if you can get them to get competitive with themselves on on making the the movement look really beautiful and perfect. Uh, the carryover from that as you build upon their mm -hmm. strength will be incredible. If you throw them into a squad and a bench press and these movements and it's all just about like, all right, five more, three more, and you're pushing them to failure and their form is all over the place, eh, not as much value. No, and, and, and then speaking of carryover, the carryover from learning the lessons that fitness teaches you to the rest of your life, this is the, this is the reason why training – I said it was a pain in the ass to train teenagers – it is challenging, 
but it's also, for me at least, it was one of the most rewarding age groups. It was, it, the only age group that I found more rewarding was the advanced age. I loved training old people, but a close second would be kids, and it was because of this. Like I would train them, and then I'd watch them, their personalities develop. I'd, I'd hear about how well they were doing in school. You'd see their confidence change because they would learn the lessons through fitness. They'd learn the, you know, apply hard work and then I improve. Apply hard work and then I improve. And that lesson is really easy to apply to, to the rest of your life. And so that, that part right there is why I think, you know, kids should definitely, if you can get them to, you don't want to necessarily force them and make it a shitty uh, situation because then they'll hate it for the rest of your life. But if you can make it positive, it's incre- It's funny. Uh, I had clients that I trained, uh, I started training about, I want to say about 13, 14 years ago and their son was six, uh, when they first started training with me and they would bring him in six year old kid and he'd hang out while they'd work out. And then I'd play with him a little bit in between sets and whatever. Well, the kid now is, uh, he's an adult and guess what his career is now? He's a trainer. He's a personal trainer. Oh, awesome. that's cool. He's man. a personal trainer. And, Very uh, cool. that's the second kid now that I knew as a child <clears throat> who came into the gym and now has made fitness. One of them is a physical therapist. They've made it like a part because they had such a positive association with it, which I think is great. I also think there's so much value to something that you kind of glazed over, which was the, the tracking. Like I learned so much from just writing down my workout and my food to help me understand like what was really going on. And I, 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 I we talk about this all the time for adults and people, I bet, I mean, a lot of where you're at today is because of those. I, I was the same way. I had stacks of paper of, you know, back then we didn't have all the great tools that you had of like, you know, like calculate calcular, uh, all calories and put your, your workouts in and then it, <laughs> mount, then it figures the volume out for you. Like I did all that stuff long form, but it was so good because it's, it's very eye-opening when you have to write and you have to track things down. So if you can teach those habits and behaviors now, you know, uh, my sister works for the company and one of the things that she's been, it's what, a thousand something episodes in, and she's always trying to talk to her husband about like the stuff that she learns from listening to the show. And he's like so stubborn. He doesn't give a, he doesn't care about aesthetics the way he looks at that. He's into his downhill mountain biking. And, you know, he just, he literally does activity to cancel out all his favorite foods that he loves and beer drinking. Sure. And, you know, but he'll go on these kicks where he's like, you know, he realizes he's put on a little extra weight and he really wants to get in shape and then gets stuck in these plateaus and he's frustrated. And my sister's like, well, you need to track and you do this. I know I'm fine. I know I'm this and that. Well, she finally like got him to track this last like six months. So I just saw him the other day for the first time in probably about three months. He's in the best shape I've ever seen him in his life, right? So I've known him for 12 years now. I think I saw pictures of them oh, uh, river rafting or something, dude, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah they look good. And he looks, he looks incredible right now. And I asked her, I go, what is, what's Tom doing right now? And she goes, I finally got him just to track. That's all he did was track, but it was such an eye opener for him on what he was feeding his body. And the same thing goes for working out. So I, you know, a lot of people don't understand why their, their workouts aren't progressing, their body's not progressing. And what you find out when you track consistently for a couple months, you start to notice these, these patterns and behaviors that we all tend to fall in where it's like, Oh, I'm on this hardcore kick and two weeks I'm, you know, increasing volume and I'm doing all, I'm doing all these exercises. And then two weeks, the other, the next two weeks, Oh mm-hmm. shit kind of happens. I get busy. Oh, I kind of stopped my workout a little early. Oh, I wasn't feeling as strong or I missed that day. And when you kind of see it and you're like, Oh, well that makes sense. Well, you teach a kid to do that. Right. You're, I mean, cause, cause all, I mean, if you, I mean, most self-improvement books and gurus or whatever will teach you to do what? 
journal. Yeah. They'll yeah. all teach you. It's all tracking. Yeah. It's just so you can bring awareness to things. self-reflective. Yeah. You teach a kid to do that, yeah. and, and just through the workouts. Fuck it. They're not doing anything. They're just tracking the workouts. It teaches them to become more self-aware, and they can apply that. to. That's why the carryover is just so incredible. Right. Next question is from Honestly Haley. What are your biggest tips for merging the fitness and wellness industries? It seems so many people are too far one way or the other. What basic concepts do you feel encompass both in a realistic way? Well, it's Im- it's important to understand that uh, this is natural for humans, right? Mm. It's natural for us to want. We feel comfortable and safe, right? Like we want to be in a group. We want to identify with someone else like that. So it's scary to not be in a group. Yeah. So this that, was one of the goals. This, oh, this was, was our mission. This was one of the original goals of Mind Pump. I mean, the first meeting that we had when we were sitting in Adam's living room, we were sitting there and it was a four-hour conversation or something like that. And we talked about a lot of different things. But one of the main topics was that the fitness, the hardcore fitness, muscle building, fat burning industry, and the wellness industry with health and longevity, meditation, uh, self-awareness, that those two industries needed to merge and collide. And and we saw it uh, bright as day. And I don't remember who brought it up, but all of us were like, absolutely. And that's become one of the missions of Mind Pump. And I think it's crazy that people think of them as separate mm-hmm. industries anyway, because they, they benefit each other. They're so... We were just talking about adaptations earlier in this episode. Um, they are adaptations that complement. Uh, can... Focusing on some of the tenets of wellness, uh, like self-awareness, oh, meditation, sleep, sleep, and yoga, and things yeah. like that. Will that benefit you building muscle? Absolutely. Fuck yes. And will will getting stronger with lifting weights, tracking your calories so that you get leaner or whatever, will that benefit your wellness as well? Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I'll say this. If you're too extreme in one or the other, you're not maximizing either one. Right. You're not. If you're too extreme wellness and you avoid all the benefits that you get from the muscle building, fat burning, fitness side of the industry, you're not maximizing your wellness well, and you vice need to, versa. Yeah, you need to stretch too. At a certain times, you need to stretch uh, your, the direction, like the, the capacity for getting stronger, the capacity uh, you know, for being the abilities that you can do as a human being. And I think that you know, like the, the wellness community itself is like, to me, it, it, it feels like we're always trying to find this homeostasis because like already like every day we're, we're introduced to all this kind of stress and we're trying to manage this stress. But, you know, that's very important. And that's a very important concept in, in trying to maintain like a healthy well being and, and, and find where that is and, and be able to navigate from there. But now press it again and, and see, you know, where your potential lies yeah. going forward as well. Well, what, what basic concepts do you guys feel encompass both of these in a realistic way? So that it's kind of a different question to word it like that. Like, you mean that, that, that are cover both of them well that's the, the end of the question well is, i think i think um health uh they they health is both of them like if you want to improve your health you want to build muscle you want to have a right so let's think of things like that we think like first like you're where you're heading right things that uh are extremely important to both you know the wellness person and the hardcore fitness build muscle person uh mm. that's the funny thing almost everything of both of them okay so lifting weights both uh, getting good sleep, both. Good nutrition, both of them. 
Um, what else? Uh, having good stress management, both of them. Um, having a good spiritual practice. That might sound like purely wellness, but let me tell you something right now. Long term, if you want to benefit your fitness and you don't have some type of a sense of purpose, I don't care what you want to call it, sense of purpose, spiritual practice, whatever, it's going to benefit both. That's I, I don't see – here's the thing, and you're, you were right uh, with what you said earlier in terms of identifying. The, the problem becomes – when people identify strongly with something and they think that that's them, mm-hmm. that's who they are. Oh, I'm a fitness guy. Therefore, I am not anything else that's not fitness. So I am all about building muscle. I'm all about looking good. I'm all about burning body fat. When you, By the way, this is not a problem just with fitness. You identify with anything in that way, um, and it's oh, not good for you. You see that in politics. Like, you see that everywhere. You see that. With, I, I could be a skater. I'm a skater. Therefore, I have to wear these pants, these shoes, yeah. talk this way. I don't do these things. We're on. just tribal people. I it, mean, human beings in it, general. It, exactly. And, and, the, and the goal, I think we... I think uh, even us sitting here and explaining this, I think we all have a little bit that, uh, in us. And so you, you have to be constantly checking yourself. Yeah. It's, it's just very natural. You're, you're going to fall into the things you like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're the yoga person and you started doing yoga at one point in your life and you just saw tremendous benefits, sleep got better, relationships got better, aches and pains went away, and then all of a sudden you shift into this, I'm a yoga person and you yeah. do yoga four times a week and you meditate and then you just I, I'm not gonna lift I don't need to lift heavy I've, I've bar met heart, people heavy, like that yeah I've met a, I get, that's why I'm, that's why I use them as an example and I'll, I'll start with them and pick on the wellness side but I'll, then I'll turn around and pick on the other side too you know you get you get in this you get you, you start to identify with that group so much that all the things you do are like super yoga based and and that mentality and you totally neglect the the benefits of going over and picking up a barbell that's so heavy you can only do it two or three times. You know how much benefit that that you get for doing a, a movement yeah. like that. But you'll to show me a person who like they're all their posts are yoga and that's all they love to talk about ever has lifted a barbell three times with the, like close to their max load. You just don't ever see that. And then the the other is true. You know, now I'm the strong guy, the strong man, big mm-hmm. beard, a little bit of a gut, got my weight belt on, fucking <laughs> chalked up like crazy, lift the house every single time I go to the gym, and I follow all other strong men. I only share my PRs on my Instagram, like follow all these strong man accounts. Show me that guy sitting in a, a Friday yoga class. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't do it. The irony is both people would greatly benefit to getting the fuck out of their modality a little bit and trying to do them. So, and we all have this. Yeah. And I, I, I'm guilty of it myself of catching myself doing kind of this gravitating towards the same things over and over because I love to do it. And I really try my best to be that person and and lead by example by, you know, hey, you might catch me swimming. Oh, you might catch me strength training. Oh, you might catch me mobility guy. You don't know. To me, that's where the real training lies is to be able to train your mind to be able to pursue things that are uncomfortable. And like we all just we're susceptible to, to like you said, doing things we just naturally like to do or uh, I just got good at it and I want to stay here. It, and, and so to be able to check yourself uh, in that process, that takes a lot more mental discipline than it does to just get up and keep doing what you've been doing. It's tough because if you're listening right now, it's normally always rooted in some sort of an insecurity. 
If I'm the, the super strong guy who's now been lifting heavy ass weights Top for of the ten, food chain. Yeah, and I probably was really insecure and weak when I was younger and wanted to be strong, and that's what drove me in that direction. And so, are you kidding me? I would never want to be a, a wiry little weak ass yoga person. And that's the way I think. Yeah, or yeah. or you're just a badass in the gym and you don't want to go to a yoga class and look like a dumbass. That's exactly that's, yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's an yeah. insecurity that's driven mm -hmm. you in that direction. Same thing, and then same thing goes for the yoga person. Yep. Maybe you were hella weak in the gym and, and you got embarrassed because you didn't lift very much weight. But then in the yoga room, man, you can you can move around like Gumby. And so you stick in that area because that's where you feel confident. Yeah. Now, there's a big yep. difference between not doing something because you just don't like it and not doing something because it's the other team. It's the other side. There's a big difference. Like If you don't like lifting a lot of weights because you, you genuinely don't really enjoy it, so you do some because it's good for you. But okay, whatever. That's fine. But if you're like, I don't lift weights because that's – bodybuilder stuff. I'm a yoga person. I don't do yoga. I'm a, I'm a lifter. Like I bench and deadlift. I don't want to do stupid yoga. Like there's a big difference. Um, in fact, if I, I bet you a million, I would bet anybody all the money in the world that if I could somehow erase everybody's minds and convince everybody that weight training was yoga, I bet you you'd see 80% of yoga people lift weights. And if I bet you, if I could convince all bodybuilders in the world, somehow erase their minds and convince them that yoga is great for bodybuilding. It's a bodybuilding thing. This is what bodybuilders do. They do yoga too. I guarantee you 80% of them would all of a sudden do yoga. That's how silly it is. It's not necessarily yeah. that. Look, I experienced this. Well, that's why we believe we can change it. That's right. Yeah, that's and, and this is the, look, I experienced this myself. I remember I took quite a few yoga classes uh, years ago and I remember walking in there and I'm a, I'm not a huge buff dude. I'm relatively muscular, but in a yoga class, I kind of stand out, right? First off, I'm a guy. The class was mostly women. And second off, I am bigger than the average regular- You look great in stretchy pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I go in there and I'm taking the class and I remember the looks that I got from the people. And even the instructor would make kind of pokey remarks at me because you know there's the big dude in the back trying to do the poses. And I remember thinking, what a shame. Like, what a, I'm a business owner, and I'm, and I'm like, God, I would never treat someone coming to my gym, giving them the same energy that this person is giving me. Like, what a shame. Like, why are they doing this? It's because they identify so strongly with their, their craft, and they think that I'm the opposite. They mm. think that when in reality, we're all just trying to become you know, healthier versions of ourselves and using uh, different uh, modalities. And it's kind of a it's kind of a shitty thing that we we tend to do that. As things open up, I think we're going to start to see more and more people move over back and forth. You know, we have bodybuilders like Ben Pakolsky, who what does he call himself, the bodybuilding yogi, mm -hmm. uh, for example. Uh, Dorian Yates, who was a Mr. Olympia for years, uh, he talks a lot now about health and wellness. I think we're start supplements now advertise themselves, um, whereas it used to be hardcore muscle building supplements had nothing that said anything about making you healthy. Now they're starting to advertise things like organic or, you know, this is good. This is healthier for you. Not just that it, you know, maximizes muscle building and fat burning. So I think it's starting to merge. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to encourage, uh, you know, that merging because there's so much we can all learn from each other and fitness and health. That's such a big sphere, man. That includes yeah. almost everything that you do in your life. And so, identifying with one thing is really robbing you of the benefits of all the other things that you could possibly be involved in when it comes to health and wellness and fitness. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com, download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find me at mindpumpsal, Justin at mindpumpjustin, and Adam 
at mindpumpadam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.